Hi, everyone. This is Anthony Diaz with the Pop Health Show. And this show is for anyone that has a strong passion, a strong calling for making people healthier in this world, for making themselves healthier, but more importantly, being of service to others, helping others be healthier. Nothing more rewarding. This show is for you if that resonates with you. And uh, I'm really enthused and excited to have Brenda Schmidt on the show today. So Brenda is the founder and CEO of Solera Health. They do a lot of great things. They've been growing. They've been impacting a lot of lives. They've been improving the health of a lot of people's lives for a while now. But I'm not going to steal her thunder. Brenda, welcome to the show. Thanks, Anthony, for the opportunity. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, great. Thank you for peeling off time to do this and to share your story, your work, and the impact that you're having. Brenda, take us back, teleport us back to where it all started and maybe the series of steps that led you to become the person you are. So we'd love to hear a little bit about your origin story. Yeah, a little bit of a different trajectory in becoming an entrepreneur. I worked for Baxter Healthcare for 15 years, and the last six of those were actually responsible for Latin America for their clinical uh, nutrition division, which really gave me the the opportunity to be an entrepreneur within a really large organization. But working for a Fortune 100, very regulated organization, gave me the opportunity to really understand the core foundation around quality and compliance and, and product. Uh, that really helped when I decided to leave Baxter uh, and become an entrepreneur in 2005. And they they actually had had sent me to the Center for Creative Leadership. uh, And it was a bad investment for them because it was then that I realized I didn't want to work for a large company for the next 25 years. I really wanted to go out and, and, and really try to make a difference. It's hard to make an impactful difference in a very large company. And so I negotiated getting laid off Uh, when they were laying off 5,000 people. I sort of raised my hand and said, please lay lay me off. (laughs) Nice month of severance, which I don't think happens anymore, but I didn't know anything at the time about institutional capital. Um, That was my capital. And my husband kept saying, when are you getting a job? When are you getting a job? (laughs) Um, But, you know, I used uh, the fact that I was, I was bilingual. I, uh, had a lot of passion around um, lifestyle improvements to help chronic disease with my work in Latin America. So I started a company back in 2005 that was focused on organizations, primarily employers, that had very diverse workforces. Because at the time, you had folks like WebMD that were starting to go high-tech, high-reach. But back then, we didn't have a phone where you did things on your phone. So if you were a service worker and you were not in front of a computer, you were sort of being left out of the early health management movement. And so um, built that company um, uh, focused on organizations that had primarily service workers, you know, uh, poultry processing, trucking, manufacturing, offshore oil casinos, and, and built a little business there. Um, but what, what I was recognizing was that employer health wellness was really becoming a commodity. And in many instances, was um, the payment structure was PMPM, which wasn't really incentivizing anyone to uh, focus on evidence-based care and outcomes. And then we won a large CDC grant in population health. And we actually put folks in communities and trained 
community organizations to deliver evidence-based programs like the Diabetes Prevention Program, convened community leaders, uh, wrote a curriculum with the CDC for worksite health promotion for small and mid-sized employers. And then we walked away and we said, did we create the ecosystem that was not only sustainable, but evolvable to help um, communities and small and mid-sized employers help their um, employees and organizations become healthier? And then a large retail pharmacy showed up and said, would you put your nurses in our pharmacy with one of the early accountable care organizations um, because they just wanted script transfers. But what we realized is we were managing these polychronic patients, primarily Medicare uh, Advantage members, uh, with you know 16 to 18 meds. It really made me realize, having spent some time in the employer market, in the community, and then really understanding kind of how healthcare was transitioning to value-based care, uh, that the 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 industry needed a technology platform that was going to help people more holistically manage their health in the context of the community. So I shut that down. I bootstrapped that for about 10 years, um, you know, grew a nice little business, but shut that down and went out and raised our Series A uh, and formed a new company, which became Solera. And uh, so that was a little bit of a different uh, journey, I think, but those experiences over those 10 years were part of what helped make Solera a, a, a so successful so quickly, we got product market fit right because mm -hmm. it just it was so apparent that there really wasn't something that was helping people um, identify and, and engage in community and then digital services that could could help them in the context of of non clinical settings. I love it. I love it. Well, I love the story and I love the the bravery, kind of the leap of faith to selectively get laid off. I think that was, you know, definitely a blessing. And obviously, uh, you know, to do what you did and get to where you're at, you're at uh, it took a lot of resilience, a lot of faith, and you know, obviously some ups and downs, like most entrepreneurs' story. But you know, it's really your resilience and, and leadership. I think that says a lot, you know, about you. Uh, Brenda and so really appreciate you know the story and the impact that you've had and it's great to see you know the growth of your company um, Brenda I love to hear you know it's a really fascinating time as you can imagine right you know that we're moving to a value-based economy uh, value-based movement lots of focus on people's needs their social determinants of health but mainly people's needs in this intersection of now that the mindset of payers and providers need to be focused on the community, focused and, and patient-centered. But so many different innovations going on today. I'd love to hear about maybe one or two things that really has to, you captivated in regards to health. Uh, maybe a topic or two that you're really, really uh, involved in or just really occupies a lot of your, your brain power these days. I'd love to hear about your, your passions today about health. Yeah, I think the first one is definitely around consumer engagement and its impact in, on health. And I can talk a little bit about that. And then the second one is making sure that we're actually creating value-based, sustainable business models for non-clinical service providers paid just like any other healthcare provider. So, so what we realized early on is healthcare happens in doctor's offices and, and in hospitals and and health happens where people live work play pray shop and increasingly on their phone mm -hmm. and you know every day doctors say go out eat better exercise more take your medication don't stress and then send people out into a world where that's not really very easy and so the technology platform that we built supports a three-sided marketplace so a payer which for us is typically a health plan or employer and increasingly um, health systems and um, even PBMs and and other types of strategic partners the 
network partners, which so we've we've organized highly fragmented, really chaotic community benefit organizations and digital apps into a specialty network. That's how typically how healthcare is organized with a clearinghouse function to pay those organizations for actually driving uh, outcomes in individual members paid through medical claims. So today, all of our revenue is medical claims. So we're paying four people in a church or a YMCA or an era in aging or Department of Health or now over 70 digital apps for actually driving clinical or in the case of social determinants, um, you know, other types of outcomes so that we can actually document the impact and cost and quality of care. But where I'm really passionate is around how are we actually creating it, making it really easy for consumers to engage. In fact, there's this, you know, probably a, a raging debate around whether consumers actually want to be empowered to, mm-hmm. to control their health. And I believe they very much do, or, you know, all of the quantified self internet of things wouldn't be taking off the way they are. People just aren't doing it in the context of healthcare. It's not integrated with their provider or their health plan or, you know, even some to some degree, their employer. And so we looked at it very much of how do we build a consumer model? And so um, we make it really easy. We act like a match.com. The, the CEO of Match Group is actually on our board. And we said, how do we actually bring people in and say, you know, not we know you have this disease and here's a program we want you to participate in. And, and guess what? We're going to pay you big incentives to do it. And then we all sit back and wonder why we're not driving outcomes. We took a very different approach. And we believe that we can meet the needs of 100% of the population if we just ask them, hey, if you picture a healthier you, where would you like to start? What would you like to do? And if we can offer this huge ecosystem of options to the person and actually match them to the one, we actually look like match.com and say, we found your match, based on what they told us. And so we made... We may know someone has diabetes, but what they might want to do is just sleep better. And we know that if they sleep better, they can actually have an impact on their um, on their diabetes. And so, so that's where we started. So we act like Match.com. We match people into a broad ecosystem of social services and um, chronic disease prevention management and reversal companies. And that that person can switch among programs for at any time, at any reason, as their goals and needs change over time. And that consumer-focused approach, I think, is helping us drive industry-leading engagement and outcomes, but it's how we interact with any other um, marketplace. You know, we don't, that this, it's, it's, we take a very paternalistic approach in healthcare and, you know, we call folks employees or members or patients and they're like, they're just people. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to make healthcare just as easy as for people as any other way that they interact in, in, in other types of um, consumer based um, marketplaces. Um, and the second place I'm, I'm really focused on is, you know, organizations have been providing social services in the context of their community for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Folks like Meals on Wheels and Feeding America and um, churches. And, you know, as the, buzz around social determinants of health and the realization that they really can have a huge positive impact on the cost and quality of care. What I'm seeing is a focus on sort of the screen um, refer report on activity, which is driving more people into an already strained social services ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And Valera, from a payment innovation perspective, we're really trying to make sure that we're aligning the incentives all the way down to the community providers so that they're actually paid for delivering great outcomes, just like any other healthcare provider. Mm-hmm. And that's a real huge focus of us because 
Um, otherwise, you just have misaligned incentives. So we're really focusing our efforts a lot on aligning with value-based care, whether that's helping a health system and, and a provider group improve their outcomes so that they get better incentive payments, or mm -hmm. whether it's a payer that now can offer more value to their um, members uh, through a, a broader set of, of programs and services beyond what they've been able to, to provide before. So those are probably the two areas I'm, I'm most passionate about. Mm. No, I love it, Brenda. Yeah, and it, it, I really appreciate you know how you're ushering that or supporting that mindset of the way we need to just think as humans on the consumer engagement, uh, health engagement front, uh, and, and that that matching philosophy I think is you know super important. And it, it's been a big gap in healthcare. Sounds like you're you're really you know catering to that and filling that. And then on the social uh, needs piece, the social determinants piece, it's very fascinating, you know, to align the incentives. You know, I know a big thing, as you and I know, is, is you know, we have a lot of relationships with providers out there and CEOs, providers. How do you align the, uh, you know, the meals on wheels person? Like, how do you align that incentive with that, those organizations and maybe close the loop from uh, the referral and, and, you know, any any promises or, or prom uh, promising tactics you're seeing to be able to align those incentives or close those loops so so everyone is aware of the referral that was made for the social needs service um just curious on on, on you know any gaps that you're seeing and any ways that you're looking to close those gaps yeah it's it's been interesting as we've developed our, our payment innovation and payment model is that mm -hmm. um you know many of our, our our funding is coming from medicaid and, and medicare and we're the billing agent even from original medicare and so you know the the organizations in the community to be able to be paid by through federal dollars have to meet the compliance requirements and that's that's a little bit of a, of a struggle um but what we've realized is that there are you know 200 food banks and 60,000 food pantries and food pantries could be in the bottom of a church or you know standing up on a street corner um, we can pay a food bank out of federal dollars and they can meet the, the federal compliance requirements and then what they're doing for the food pantries who are actually documenting that they're providing nutritious food to an individual is getting a food credit from the food bank so again the, there's an economic value to the food pantry to document that that was delivered that allows us then to report that back and then um, uh, pay the food bank out of uh, claims dollars for delivering that service. The other thing that was interesting is that, you know, we organized uh, many of the community benefit organizations that previously uh, considered themselves competitors because they were competing for grant funding or foundation dollars. Mm -hmm. And in our model, there's more than enough need to go around mm -hmm. uh, to to benefit everyone. So why wouldn't a Meals on Wheels potentially be delivering a medically tailored meal from a different provider and doing a welfare check at the same time right. um, when they're, they're, they're dropping in because we know there's about a six, 96% you know, um, uh, open rate, open door rate by seniors when a Meals on Wheels uh, sets up. So how are we also addressing social isolation, you know, welfare check, those kinds of things as we're integrating other social services. So that that's what we're doing is integrating things into benefit design um, working with health plans and providers to set the um, outcome metrics for those different services, documenting service delivery, and then paying the providers for when they're actually hitting an outcome metric like um, reduced food insecurity or a better nutritional status or reduced falls risk. And, and so everything we, we do here has a, um, an outcome where we get paid. Mm -hmm. And it's very different than just... Uh, more of a technology 
platform that is more of a SaaS model or uh, just being paid on on activity. Mm-hmm. No, this is great, Brenda. And, and so, you know, obviously, you know, trying to disseminate services, uh, new services that are needed, though, and trying to disseminate those through from a provider standpoint, sometimes very hard, whether it's digital or non-digital, sometimes it's hard to get the operations and or IT folks at a provider provider system to adopt something new. But it sounds like you're gaining pressure all from the payer side and, and from that perspective, or are you selling to, to providers as well? And providers are accepting your services and passing those through or just kind of curious on the physics of, uh, of, you know, how you're getting out there to the community to cater, uh, you know, to, to provide this type of service. Yeah. Typically our clients today are health plans and we have 50 health plans and that would keep us really busy. But mm-hmm. what interesting, once something becomes a health plan benefit, then it's Solera's role to actually outreach to those members and make them aware of the fact that these mm-hmm. to them. And typically, then we're going to the health systems and provider groups and saying, "Hey, th- these are benefits for members." And then we're doing some type of EMR, either data pull or integration, where we're um, finding that data um, and then and then outreaching to members to let them know that these benefits are available. Mm. It's, it's interesting from a, a policy perspective what's going on in social determinants of health because I think everyone doesn't want to recreate a bad fee for service, but we're really looking at the concept of a, of a social risk score. And based on that social risk score, there would be a certain amount of, of capitated funding for the individual to use however they want to use it. Right. Um, as through CMS, they're looking at reducing some of the, or relieving some of the regulatory burden around anti-kickback because today a doctor can't pay for an air conditioner because- right for free. And so I think we're going to see some um, big changes coming out of Washington that make the provision of social determinants easier. And, and I think, you know, again, making sure that we're not setting up a system, a payment system that has bad unintentional consequences with this concept of sort of a, a capitated payment based on risk um, that can then match into an ecosystem of services with a documented outcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, we're, we're interested in more of those those capitated models than the service models as we think about social determinants. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I, I love the the, the 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 physics of the model, and it's just so well timed. Um, but beyond that, it's it's really just supporting the new philosophy of the way that our society should have been thinking. You know, from a provider payer perspective, and the way that we should be focusing on people and human beings. Um, and so it's fascinating to see. And I guess along those lines, Brenda, what you're saying here, you know, you're paving the way for an interesting future with your services. Tell me a little bit about the future of health, the way that you see it, uh, you know, this optimistic version of health, whether it takes a long time or maybe a not so long time. Tell me, uh, tell me uh, about the, 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 the future of health, according to Brenda. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, this is just according to Brenda, but I think that, you know, certainly the digital health, digital therapeutic market is, is pushing uh, into, I think, a positive space mm-hmm. and, and just the sort of consumer forces. So what I would like to see is consumers going to a place where they can identify their needs and be matched into the community or digital services paid for by their health plan uh, with a recommender engine and using you know, predictive anal- analytics and AI to predict what people may need to improve or maintain their health. Um, mm-hmm. But they could also pay for it with an HSA or FSA or credit card. Like right. that, That's my vision is, is this, this big brand in healthcare where people are coming in and, and it's, it's driving consumer choice and consumer empowerment, engagement and transparency mm-hmm. um, to 
and going further upstream than our than our traditional way the, the healthcare system works today. So I would love to see that in the next five years. I love it. I love it. I see it happening. You know, I definitely do. I mean, there's some really interesting, you know, the 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 movement has started and uh, it's just exciting to see that, you know, you're you're really leading the charge in this space. And so congrats on success, congrats on the growth and most importantly the impact on the lives that you've been having and continue to have. Uh, Brenda. Um, and so, uh, Brenda, I want to be sensitive to your time, but my very last question, I promise, is uh, our listeners, our listeners that would like to engage with you on social media or, you know, reaching out directly if, if you'd like that to occur, uh, what would be a good way to connect with you? Yeah, the best way is just direct message me on LinkedIn. That's my most active social media site. So just Brenda Schmidt Solera on LinkedIn, and uh, I will be sure to respond directly. Super, super. Brenda, this was great having you on. Really great to see that the way that you think it, the mindset behind, you know, the services you put together uh, and the leadership that you're bringing here. And it's great to see and hear, you know, how it started. You know, it was great to hear about your story, your focus today, and obviously the future health that you're marching towards and, and building. So Brenda, again, phenomenal to have you on. And this was great. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Anthony. Take care. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.